Among the thousands of interviews we've done over nine years here at Travel Writers Radio, we've never touched on Bulgaria. So when our newest team member, Karen Avila, said she'd been to this really interesting country, we wanted to talk about it. It's a fascinating place with the sixth oldest city in the world, a philosophy that basically allows you to chill out when you want to, and fabulous food and wine, even some great varieties indigenous to the country. Karen spoke to Graham Kemlow. And, uh, Karen, welcome back to the show. Thank you, Graham. Happy to be back. The reason you're actually doing this for us and that I invited you to join the team was that what what I saw on your on your page of travel stories was impressive. And I think you underwrite rather than overwrite, which a lot of people tend to do. Uh, you also had some good photography, some engaging headlines. And I thought, well, this lady may not be a professionally trained journalist, but she is professional and she has been trained. It just happened to be in the, in the medical slash healthcare side of things. And does it really matter? No, it doesn't. So welcome. Great to have you there. Now, tell us about Bulgaria. This is not somewhere that we've actually covered on the show in nine years, would you believe? And yet, it's a well-known, uh, a, it's a well-known place on the uh, on the map. But I know little about it. Did you know much about it before you went there? Or did you do the research and decide to go, or did you find it along the way? I knew of Bulgaria, of course, but I I had never thought about going there to visit until I received an article from one of my family members. Okay. So they sent me this BBC article that came out about a year ago, which talks about ILAC, which is part of the philosophy in Bulgaria, which is uh, essentially a, a philosophy about enjoying life, keeping out of the rat race, uh, taking time to stop and smell the flowers, so to speak. And oh. it talks a lot about the city of Plovdiv in particular, which is where this philosophy is rooted. And so I decided Plovdiv was going on my short list of, of places to see. And so I decided to go out there uh, in spring of this year. Okay, well, that's an interesting idea. Do we know who who sprung this idea on the residents of Plovdiv? Was it a religious leader or a, a yogi or do we know? It's a good question. So this actually comes from the, the root of the word is from, uh, it's a Turkish word actually, and this term started showing up in Bulgarian dictionaries uh, back to the 18th century, I believe. Okay. And the, or sorry, 18, 1800s. And I don't know how far back it goes beyond that. I was actually surprised to see it went back that far because it sure. seemed more contemporary to me. Yeah. Uh, but it is based in the, in the Turkish term uh, for idleness. Oh, okay. And because right. there was the Ottoman Empire, I'm I'm uh, I'm gonna make an uh, assumption here, make a leap, or maybe an educated guess here, because Bulgaria was under Ottoman rule from the 1300s to the 1800s. It could be that it came up during that time period. That's oh, that's my right. guess. Okay, and like I guess like other destinations in that part of the world, the Ottomans came, and and then uh, the, the conquerors. <laughs> turned up from somewhere else and they all sort of pounced upon each other's ruins and stuck their own religious symbols on so it's not unlikely your your particular theory i think yes it's it's a very interesting place in that respect uh bulgaria in general and certainly plovdiv which is really literally almost in you know, the dead center of the country is you're on the stomping grounds where all these different groups came through over the centuries and had you know, several different battles. And so you see a lot of the result of this. And uh, it's certainly very tightly weaved into their culture today, just different elements from some of these different cultures. It's it's right. really fantastic. Is there an overarching culture that remains or not? 
It was I a communist country for quite a while, wasn't it? In, it was. in this century. It was. Sorry, 1946 actually in the previous to, century, yeah. Correct. Uh, 1946 to 1989, which uh, still, you know, that's within my lifetime. So it's yeah. it's something to that's sort of hard to um, kind of wrap my head around. But I think what stands out really, it probably depends on where you visit. But for me, it really is a mix. So you see these incredible Roman ruins in the city of Plovdiv, uh, stadiums, theaters, very well intact and some of the best uh, intact uh, around the area. But then you go outside of Plovdiv and you'll see Thracian ruins, so ones that predate Roman ruins. So that is also a very prominent part of the culture uh, from the ancient area of, of Thrace and the ancient peoples of Thrace. And so you see that very prominently uh, outside of the city and also uh, some, in the, in the, uh, some elements also still within Plovdiv. So I think it's a, it's a real mix. Yeah, and you say on your notes to me that it's the fifth or sixth oldest city in the world. It is, uh, depending on the resource. I've, I've done uh, some research on this and depending on the resource, it, it varies from fifth to sixth. But yes, right. it's definitely in the top 10 of the oldest cities in the world and, well, and definitely the oldest inhabited continuously in Europe. I'll take your research because that is your specialty. I imagine you can turn your hand to any facts that need to be gleaned, yeah? I, I definitely like to, uh, I usually do some superficial research before I go. And then after right. a visit, it usually gets me to dig a little bit deeper below the surface. So hopefully uh, I'm hitting all the right resources for that well, information. The good thing about Travel Writers Radio is we don't insist on uh, on references being applied or the, uh, you know, <laughs> the, the, the particular style book that might fly around a university. And you've, you've had plenty of examples of that thrown at you. So um, the other thing that, um, that I was fascinated by, and we'll probably get to this eventually, but there's a big focus on wine in Bulgaria. I, I've not drunk Bulgarian wine, but I believe you have, and it's not bad. I'm very excited about this part of the topic. So my visit there was very colorful, and there's so many things in addition to the wine, as you're kind of probably getting from some of the things we're talking about. But wine is, you know, for me, a luxury item that I, that I just adore. And it was one another thing that really attracted me, sort of reinforcing my uh, interest to go visit Bulgaria. Uh, so the first thing that is quite remarkable is that this is one of the oldest wine growing regions in the world. Not the oldest, but one of the oldest. Mm. And uh, they it, dating back to 4000 BC uh, is when they pinpoint when this wine culture started, when viniculture started, which is quite old. So it's puts yeah. it nearly to 7,000 years old. And so just that in itself is, is fascinating and, and very attractive. In addition to that, there's several indigenous grape varieties that are produced in Bulgaria. So I'll get to the quality in a second. Mm. Uh, but that also I, I find you know very interesting. And this isn't you know too unique globally. You'll go to different areas and find uh, indigenous grapes, but there's a, a good handful in Bulgaria that are indigenous to that region. So that's also, uh, I found that very interesting. And so I, I took some time and took the pleasure of trying these different wines from some of the different regions and different styles. That's important so to in do terms that. Of, oh, yes. I mean, you got to do the research, <laughs> that's right? The research. So that's, that's a very important Tell part of the research. If, you, if you're standing on a hill in Bulgaria looking around, is there an obvious place from which the wine may have originated, like a, a neighbouring country or a region? So Georgia, I believe, uh-huh. which is near, yeah. is older. I believe yeah. that's one of the oldest, uh, certainly older than Bulgaria. And I think that in addition to a region in, in or near Iran, I believe, are some of the oldest. Okay. But Georgia would probably hold the oldest for that that part of the world. Okay, fascinating. So what, the, um, what sorts yeah. of, uh, I mean, are we talking red, white, rosé? What what type of wine do they produce? Fortified? So all of the above, in addition to some 
something called an orange wine, but I'll put a pin in that for a second. Mm-hmm. So the majority of grapes they grow are the reds, and the but they also grow some whites. Um, there are rosés. Um, I've tried uh, all of the above while I was there. Um, I will say, just jumping to the and also in, in addition to the indigenous grapes, they do produce a lot of grape varieties from other uh, other parts of the world. So right. Cabernet, Chardonnays, this type of thing as well. Okay. Um, but the the local grapes are are prominent in the wine selections and I found so I've been very fortunate in my in my lifetime where I've lived in regions where they have excellent wines so Spain of course has mm. has excellent wines of you know having been from California so the bar is set pretty high for my palate just having been you know fortunate to live in those areas and I would say hands down Bulgarian wines absolutely compete with those wines wow. um, and I've, I've tried wines from other regions as well and Bulgaria is high on that list for me next to Spain and California I would so say if you walk into a, a, a wine shop sells bottled wine in Spain say would they have Bulgarian wine on the shelf I haven't looked, but from what I heard, they would not. Right. And uh, this, again, I haven't done the research on this myself, but after uh, one of the wineries we went to, it, I, that was one of the first questions I had, because, of course, I would love to buy some here. Yeah. Um, but she said that they do not export to Spain. And that could be, you know, it's, it's unclear why that is, but because of the competitive nature with the local wines, that might be part of the reason. But, if, no, but that from makes what sense. I hear, no. So yeah. just tell me about the weather in Bulgaria. Does it, is it like Bordeaux or is it a, you know, is it a dry, hot, dry? dry climate or is it cool cold even it's it's both um it's it's very similar i would say similar to mediterranean maybe a little cooler in the winters um but it's definitely similar to the mediterranean climate and it's around the same latitude i believe but yeah so the summers are while i was there in spring the weather was in the 70s uh perfect weather or Uh I should say, I guess, late teens and and centigrade. 70s are okay. Um, I understand that language. (laughs) Great. Six foot and all of that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, good. But yeah, so the, I would say it's, it's, it's temperate, I think is fair, but the winters can get pretty cool as well. It snows in some parts. Okay. Well, that's, that's, uh, that's a great start. So, I, But I hope you had some food before you had some wine. What's the food story? So foods, uh, another interesting, uh, there's a couple of things that stand out with the food. And uh, it, so in the Balkan region, you'll find similar types of dishes. But again, there's some things that are unique to Bulgaria that might have sort of related, you know, relatives in some of these other countries. So for example, serene cheese uh, is the most common cheese that you'll find in Bulgaria. It's similar to a feta but it really is smoother and, you know, feta is delicious. It has that bite to it. And this, this is really sort of smoother, and a little bit more mild, but really just has all those delicious elements that you would also get from a feta. Okay. Um, yogurt is the other product, which I found fascinating in, in Bulgaria. Although, you know, fascinating yogurt in the same sentence isn't something you might always hear. No, not it's something always. you kind of take for granted. <laughs> They've been producing it in Bulgaria for thousands of years. And right. in fact, I read recently the first person to break down the components of of yogurt is actually a Bulgarian scientist in the early 1900s, 1904, I believe. And there is a bacteria that's, again, indigenous to Bulgaria that makes their yogurt a little bit different from yogurt around the world. And it's still made in small villages on a small scale and uh, has different texture from some of the yogurts we might try from other places like Greece or Iceland. Um, so that's another thing that's it. There's a lot of pride behind the yogurt. You'll see it in a lot of sauces in soups. Um, so that's another uh, part of the cuisine that I found very nice. Yeah, and then, of course, it's it, there tends to be a meat heavy diet as well pork uh, and chicken being the preferred meats okay. um, but yeah it's very so good. with the with the cheese is it 
is it cow cheese or is it sheep's cheese? Goats? So the ser- all of the above. Uh, okay. The serene, they usually make it with cow, but um, and same thing with the yogurt, but they you, there's also varieties with uh, mm. sheep and goat. And actually, with the yogurt at least, and I would think also the cheese, I read that there's um, they make yogurt from buffalo milk, which oh, yeah. I okay. it quickly looked up. I had no idea there were buffalo in Bulgaria, but there actually apparently are some free roaming buffalo in the Dopey Mountains. Oh, okay. Something to look out for. So you had some interesting new taste sensations, basically, but uh, it wasn't totally out of left field. That's right. Nothing really out of left field. I think the one thing that I found surprising, so I'm, I do, I usually eat meat. I'm a social meat eater, I call myself. So I eat meat when I travel because I like to try the local cuisines, but at home I'm, I'm usually vegetarian heavy. Mm. So I, I tried parsley fritters, which I thought was interesting. And actually mm. there were salads, entire salads made of parsley. I'm used to seeing it as a garnish on my plate, you know, and meals from back home in the U.S. And so to have a whole salad or or fritters made of it was was pretty interesting. Another dish which I didn't try uh, but was on the menu was horse sausage. Uh, That might be a little controversial for some. Uh, I didn't try it, but I sat next to a couple uh, in a restaurant who who had tried it and said it was very delicious. Yeah, I'm not not sure I'd eat horse. Um, Yeah, I don't really associate horse with eating uh, as much as I do other meats. Okay. Are you going to restaurants for this food or was this in hotel environment or a family scenario? How would you come across the the, uh, local indigenous food? So I had, so I was in Plovdiv for a week, which uh, as a side note was actually just way too short, or at least Plovdiv in the surrounding area because there's so much to explore in Bulgaria. But I had these, so I ate in restaurants mostly. I did stay in an Airbnb, so I would buy some basic foods to eat, which I I enjoy doing that because you could go to the grocery store and sort of pick some of the local things, which is a lot of fun. But I I did go to these restaurants to try uh, these dishes and Plovdiv is known for having a lot of different kinds of restaurants, a wide variety. I tried a lot of the more traditional stuff because that's uh, interesting to me, but also I wanted to try some of the more contemporary because it's always interesting to see how how can, how traditional dishes might evolve in mm. a culture. So I, I tried to run the spectrum of, of dishes, but really uh, staying true to the, the local foods as opposed to going out for a pizza somewhere. Right. Now, just in the in the few minutes we've got left, uh, I gather you flew into the capital, which is Sofia. How far is it from there to Plovdiv, which was obviously your major interest factor? So Sofia is roughly two to three hours from Plovdiv, depending on how you get there. If you were to take a train, it's three hours. If right. you were to take a bus, and they have buses running throughout the day, it's approximately two. If you were to take a cab or rent a car, it would be even less than that, about right. an hour and a half or so. So it's okay. pretty close. And it's part of the EU, so you're using euros there, right? Not yet. So um, it is part of the EU, that's correct. But there is another part of the process joining the European Union that they have to meet in order to start using the euros. So they have not met those requirements yet. Bulgaria uh-huh. hasn't. So you would still use um, the local currency. Or the- Does that translate to being an inexpensive country to visit or moderate or expensive? It is currently inexpensive to visit, uh, okay. which which makes sense. It's it's one of the poorer countries in, in Europe in general. Unfortunately, it's uh, there's still uh, quite a bit of poverty there, right. but uh, it is a uh, more economic destination to travel to uh, for that reason. Okay. Now, you do have some uh, suggested places to visit near Plovdiv. We can possibly list those in the show notes. But I I was intrigued to read that this is the largest producer of rose oil in the world. So are there rose bushes all over the joint? I mean, the rose bush can grow in 
the same soil as a vine, so I guess it stands to reason that they might be lots of roses around if they do uh, viticulture. Yes, so there there are roses around, um, and in fact, I did some of the small villages I visited. Uh, I did see rose bushes here and there, but mm. Kazanlock is the village where they grow the roses that are processed for the rose oil. And every spring, they have a tremendous festival there. Plovdiv is is where they have uh, where they grow most of the roses. So overall, you'd say. You'd recommend going to Bulgaria, and how long do you think people would enjoy to stay there? I think it depends on what your interests are. And I would say, for me, one week was far too short. The one thing I didn't get to do, which I would have liked to have done, was to spend more time in the mountains. Uh, There's lakes and mountains where you can hike and camp for days. There's caves to explore and other small villages and spa towns where you can go to some hot springs. So for me, I could be very comfortable in Bulgaria for probably two to three weeks. That was Graham Kemlo talking to Karen Avila.